Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle, but he don't ever get rattled, he just goes till the sun goes down. Welcome to another edition of Food Chat. Food Chat is that show that connects people with their food. My name is Jackson Lamb. I'm a former chef, college professor, school of hospitality. I have been eating and drinking all of my life. My partner in the radio show here is Greg Bloom. Greg, say good morning and uh, what's your background and why are you here? Good morning, Chef. Well, I grew up as a farm kid in Colorado and then spent 33 years working in six different USD-inspected food plants. Fantastic. Well, along those lines, we've got a great guest today, Julia Lennon, with We Don't Waste. You might not know that organization, but you'll know plenty about it at the end of this uh, podcast. Julia, welcome. How are you today? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. We're delighted that you're here. So, you know, Julia, right up front, you know, you know, part of the whole thing about food is not only growing food. Here's Greg on the uh, on the farm side. But, you know, trying to eliminate the waste every step along the way. Um, I'm, and I'm sure that's what you concentrate on. But let's get started by can you just tell us your background and, and how you wound up at We Don't Waste. Sure, yeah. So I went to college in Boston, and I studied environmental studies. And while I was there, I did an internship where I was tasked with researching food waste. And before that time, I didn't know much about it. I love to eat. I love to cook. And so when I learned that 40% of food that's made for humans to eat goes to waste, um, I was really upset to learn that, and I became really passionate about it. And so when I moved out to Denver, I Googled Food Waste Denver, and We Don't Waste popped up. And so I started volunteering. I was working at a restaurant at the time and seeing firsthand how much food goes to waste um, in the restaurant industry alone. Um, And so, yeah, I started volunteering and then ended up working at We Don't Waste, and I've been here for about four years now. Very nice. Um, so can you just then tell us what is the mission and the vision for We Don't Waste? You know, why do they exist and what do they do? Sure. So We Don't Waste, um, we envision a world where food goes to people and not landfills and also is accessible to all. So generally we rescue food that would have been wasted that's still safe to eat. And then we redirect that food um, to organizations that feed people. And we do that, um, so we increase food access and protect the planet by rescuing and repurposing this food. Um, And we also educate and advocate to increase food security and also decrease food waste. Very good, Julia. Next. Hey, Julia, this is Greg, and I just have a question about, like, day-to-day, how does it practically work? Like, just give our listeners an idea of, of, you know, what one of your days looks like at We Don't Waste as far as how you're trying to repurpose food. Yeah, so... Our um, main program is this food rescue and redistribution, and we do that with our operations team and four refrigerated trucks. So we have our four trucks driving around the greater Denver area, 
uh, five days a week, picking up food that would have been wasted and then dropping it off at our uh, nonprofit partners like food banks and food pantries. So we are kind of the middleman between those that have surplus food and those that don't have enough food. Um, And that's how our main program works. We also have a mobile food market program where we bring food directly to communities that don't have grocery stores. And we set up these um, essentially like farmer's market style events where folks can shop for the food that they want um, and take it home for free. Very good. You know, some some people listening, uh, Julia, might not understand why there's surplus food, especially at like a food plant level. So why would someone call you and say, we've got extra food? What, what kind of a scenario exists where that happens? Sure, yeah. So food is wasted all across the food system, anywhere from farms to catering companies, manufacturers, bakeries. Um, so oftentimes there are like produce that just don't meet certain beauty standards. So like an ugly or imperfect fruit or vegetable um, would get rejected um, on like a sorting line or even at a grocery store um, because as consumers, we expect a certain level of like perfection when it comes to what our produce looks like, which ugly fruits and vegetables taste just as good and are just as nutritious, but it leads to a lot of food waste. Um, also confusion um, about expiration dates. So those best buy, use by, sell by dates, um, that leads to a lot of waste. Um, and typically unnecessarily because those dates really just have to do with quality and like peak freshness and less about safety. Um, so grocery stores won't take something that only has two weeks until that best buy date. Um, and so they'll reject that and typically it would just get thrown away. Um, so we build relationships with producers, manufacturers, also trucking companies, and they can donate that food to us um, and then we can give it to people to eat rather than letting it end up in the landfill. So those are just a few reasons, but there's lots of reasons why food goes to waste. Great. Julia, that's great. And Jackson again here. Hey, you know, uh, your talk there reminded me there's a commercial out there right now where the mother-in-law comes to visit the couple. And she's standing in front of the refrigerator with a garbage can. And she's pulling everything out of the fridge. Expired. 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 And and as you just discussed, a lot of times there's no change in quality whatsoever after that expiration date. They just want you to buy new stuff. That's all. Right. Yeah. And, you know, my experience with that, uh, I own a wholesale food company, Julia, and a product that's packaged for retail will have a user freeze-by date commonly on the package. Well, you know, the chicken may have come in fresh and then it's frozen, you know, two, three weeks before the freeze-by date. So it's plenty fine. You know, we froze it three weeks before the date on that package. But guess what? Our retailers can't sell it if that user freeze-by date is in the past. Even if they're selling it as frozen, they don't want it in their case. So, you know, we have to repurpose it with, with your organization. It's great. Yeah, we're happy to be that outlet and make sure that that food's not getting thrown away. But, yeah, it's kind of crazy because these dates aren't federally regulated. And so it is just up to the producer um, to, to put a date on there. And you're right, Jackson. They want you to throw it away and buy a new one. So certainly trust your senses to tell if something is still safe to eat. So your sense of sight, if there's mold on something, we don't want to eat the mold. Chop those bits off. Um, and then use your sense of smell and your sense of taste to tell if something's still safe to eat rather than trusting those dates. Very good. You know, Julia, um, if I may, let me just share a couple of different scenarios 
that I've been involved with with We Don't Waste. Um, one day I got, uh, you know, again, I like to put my volunteer hours in as well. And I'm working with Drew. And I said, well, what are we doing today, Drew? He goes, well, we're going to go do a restaurant clean out. I said, oh, what does that mean? He goes, you'll see. And it was a restaurant that had gone uh, bankrupt. And they had called We Don't Waste. And they said, come and get anything and everything that we've got here. And, you know, granted, here's a restaurant that's gone out of business. So you can imagine the maintenance that hasn't been done. Uh, the place was a mess. But we're taking shrimp lobster tails steaks out of the freezer so so we get those kinds of scenarios um, i recall uh, again working with uh, drew's dad we go down to the convention center and you know they're trying to donate they said what is this stuff and uh, i think drew comes to me he says chef lamb what is this it's a smoked pig jowl and they had a Ooh. whole case of them and they didn't know what to do with them. And they really cook up like pork belly. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, it's kind of fun to be uh, involved with some of those pickups. But here's the real question for you, Julia. I know that there are times when the team gets to the, Matt gets to a place where uh, they want to donate and Matt says, I can't take that stuff. Um, it might have been compromised. It might have been uh, out in the air, uh, time and temperature abuse. Can you tell us any scenarios along those lines? Sure, yeah. So if we receive food um, that is no longer safe to eat, we'll compost it. Um, that does happen once in a while. Like maybe we'll get a pallet of strawberries and the top couple rows of boxes look like beautiful, ripe red strawberries. And then you get down to the bottom and they start getting like mushy and moldy. Um, so we do have an industrial sized compost um, bin that is picked up. Um, so composting is a great alternative to sending food to the landfill because all those nutrients at least then go into a fertilizer that can be used to make more food in gardens and farms. Whereas when food waste goes to the landfill, it sits there and it rots and it's a harmful greenhouse gas called methane. Um, so that definitely happens. Um, and whenever we can't um, take food, we'll certainly let the potential food donor know why and encourage them to try to keep that food safe for future donations. So, like, if we're getting a donation of catered food and it's still hot when we get there to pick it up, um, that is not food safe. And everyone at We Don't Waste um, is food, uh, served safe certified, meaning we've taken a food safety course. Um, so we'll then ask those catering companies to refrigerate or freeze their food to bring it down to safe temperatures so that it's stored safely before we can pick it up. Um, so... That's what we do in those scenarios. Very, very good. And then from a distribution perspective, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, you cover the city very well. And I think that, um, you know, just again in my, we're picking up uh, in the morning and we're delivering in the afternoon. The whole idea is to end the day with nothing on the trucks, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great day when we can go out and pick up uh, a bunch of donations and then immediately bring them to our partners at food pantries. Um, that way they're getting the product at, um, as, as fresh as it can be from a We Don't Waste donation. Um, but we do have a uh, distribution center in North Denver. So if we do end up with some food on our truck at the end of the day, we'll bring it back. We have a walk-in cooler and a freezer um, and also some racking for dry storage. So we are able to store food here overnight um, until we can find a home for it. So if we do get something like those pig jowls or a food donation that might be a little bit trickier to find a home for, 
um, we can store it properly and until we make some phone calls to um, find a good end destination where somebody will be happy to eat it. Well, I'm sure that even though it's a smoked pig jowl, somebody out there will know what to do with it. Right. I'm sure, yeah. Right. I think maybe more common than a smoked pig jowl, Julia, might be um, a situation that I encountered a couple months ago. Uh, I, at my refrigerator warehouse, had a truck show up, and it had just come from one of the major retail stores in the area, chain store, and they were a truckload of fresh California, beautifully ripe red strawberries, fresh strawberries. Mm -hmm. And the um, cooler unit, it's called a reefer unit on a refrigerated truck, was set just a little bit too low, and they came in, and a couple of the pallets up front, close to where the reefer unit is in the front of the truck, had frozen a couple of the layers of strawberries on the top, but just those two pallets up front. Well, the retailer kicked the whole load. They, yep. The whole load was gone. So um, we had to unload those because the truck driver had to get back to California. He had to get on his way. He didn't have time to deal with this. So we unloaded them, and then we called We Don't Waste, and then you guys came and picked them up. <laughs> so, well, I think it's interesting how you, your company, your organization, your, your nonprofit can just find that supply-demand curve. You know, we're talking about supply here. How does this product you know, become available, but then you've also got to match it up very quickly. So how do you do that? How do you find a place for all this stuff to go on the fly? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that example you just gave about the truck um, donation, that happens all the time with improper refrigeration. Um, or even like one time we got a load of peppers that were rejected because they were a little bit dusty. Like they had a little bit of dirt on them. And when I go into classrooms and teach kids, I, I teach them how all of our food comes from the dirt. It comes from the farm. So we should wash our fruits and vegetables before we eat them. Um, but reasons like that, really silly reasons, lead to a lot of food waste. Um, but, yeah, so how do we, um, like, deal with our supply and demand and connecting the dots there? Um, we have a hun over 100 nonprofit partners that we work with, and our operations team is really familiar with these agencies and they know what they like, what they don't like, what types of food that they are willing to receive and what they would prefer to not receive. And so when we get food donations, our operations team pretty much immediately has in mind where these can go. So we do donate to a couple of um, school food pantries and we know that they're always really excited to get yogurt and fresh produce. Um, we donate to a couple um, organizations that deal with immigrant and refugee populations and they really don't want the processed foods. They mostly want whole produce. Um, but then we also work with some organizations that serve youth that are super excited um, when we get Girl Scout cookies or snacks. Um, so it's really just our operations team knowing the organizations that we work with and making those connections um, really on the fly during the day, but also when we bring food back and looking at what we have and then making some phone calls um, and deciding where that food should go the next day. Julia, that's so informative. Thank you. You know, Denver has really become a melting pot of people. And when we think about the demographics that we're seeing, you know, we have a uh, huge Asian community, huge uh, Hispanic community. In fact, that community is now growing to Central and South Americans. Um, we have mm -hmm. an Ethiopian and Eritrean community. Uh, that's tremendous. So I would imagine when you're trying to redistribute You've really got to have an eye on, uh, again, what their preferences are and, and what they don't like. Yeah, certainly. And we are seeing an increase in refugee population 
specifically from Venezuela at um, a couple of our market locations. Um, and we also have a large Vietnamese population that um, comes to two of our markets. And so we're always looking for volunteers that speak Vietnamese, also Chinese, and certainly Spanish as well. And we do have a lot of staff members and volunteers that speak Spanish, but it's always super helpful to have. Um, but, yeah, we've definitely seen an uh, increase um, in need um, at our markets and also with our nonprofit uh, food recipients. You know, Julia, I have uh, volunteered, as you know, brought classes to uh, the mobile food pantries in the past. And I currently have a star student. She is Vietnamese. And uh, she is all about community service. Let me, I just made a little note. Let me see if I can track her down and maybe uh, get the two of you together. Um, I'd like to just shift into another uh, 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 role here. Boy, you know, Denver in the summer has more food events than we can even count. You know, do you get involved with food events with like the Denver Food and Wine Classic or Top Taco or uh, the Chicken Fight? And uh, are there leftovers to be had there? Or with those kinds of events outside, is, uh, has the food been compromised and we really can't handle that? You know, what's your take on that one? Yeah, good question. Um, I'm not sure if we've been involved with those events that you're mentioning. I know we've received food donations um, from the Barbecue Fest. Um, that usually happens like Father's Day weekend. Um, but it just, just really kind of depends on how the food has been stored and um, if it's been cooked and then put out on like a catering line for an extended period of time, then it would not be safe for us to recover. But if it was left behind the kitchen um, and stored properly and at safe temperatures, um, and refrigerated um, properly, then, yeah, I think we would be happy to take food donations from those events. And I certainly would just want to connect um, those people running the events with our operations team who really are the professionals and know exactly what we need to keep it food safe. Excellent. Very good. Greg? Julia, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that uh, you'd heard a number, a staggering number of food wasted in this country, I believe the number you said was 40%. So for, for people at home that are also becoming more aware of food waste, how, how would you suggest that they can participate just at home with eliminating food waste? Sure, yeah. So actually, um, the largest percentage of food waste comes from households. Um, and at We Don't Waste, we can pick up food from really all the other sectors. We can go to farms, manufacturers, grocery stores, but we can't go door to door. Um, so what we can do is try to educate um, both students in the classroom, but also adults on how um, we can all reduce food waste in our own kitchens. And there's small things that we can do that can make a big difference. Something that I don't always practice what I preach is as simple as making a grocery list and planning what you want to buy and what you want to um, make that week for yourself to eat. Um, simply having a plan um, can really go a long way in terms of not buying excess food um, and then having some food in your fridge at the end of the week that you kind of forgot about. Um, also, getting creative in the kitchen. So there's tons of ways to use ends and stems um, that you might typically throw away. So, for example, like carrot tops or um, broccoli or cauliflower stems. Those are all totally edible, and there's really cool ways that you can incorporate those into your dishes. Um and like using stale or, or, or old ingredients, like stale bread could be used in a bread pudding or to make croutons um, or brown bananas. I know a lot of people make banana bread. Uh, you can also freeze overripe fruit for smoothies. 
So there's tons of ways that you can get creative in the kitchen to reduce your food waste. Um, and then just storing things properly. I've learned so much about food storage um, in this role and what foods like to be kept really cold, what foods want to be kept at room temperature, um, and also what foods like to be kept super dry in the refrigerator. So like berries and mushrooms want to be kept as dry as possible. And then what foods want to be kept wet? So carrots, celery, asparagus, they would prefer to be kept in water. Um, so there's lots to learn, and you can totally um, go to our website, wedontwaste.org. Our education page has a whole packet. Um, we actually ran an at-home food waste um, challenge um, last year um, and had some households participate and kind of measure their food waste. And with that, we created a whole packet with storage tips and creative recipes so there's lots of, lots to learn, and I would definitely recommend um, checking out our website to learn more. Excellent. And that is www.wedontwaste.org, correct? Correct. All right. Hey, listen, I want to reflect on something you just said, and that is, you know, we sometimes over-purchase um, for the home. I'm, I'm blessed that I've been able to travel France, England, Italy. The refrigerators over there in those little condos, uh, they're the size of milk cartons. You know, they're tiny. And, and the purchasing habits of the Europeans, you go to a local food market every day and you buy for what you need for that day. Yeah. But, but in America, bigger is better. And as they start getting up to 23 cubic feet of refrigeration space, it's no wonder we have so much waste here in America because we get things that are hidden in the back corners of those refrigerators that we haven't seen in months. Yeah, you're so right. I, I, I'm guilty of it. I'm so aware of it, and I still will sometimes lose some leftovers in the back of the fridge. Um, but yeah, buying in bulk certainly leads to waste. So Whenever you can, um, shop more frequently um, in smaller amounts. Um, but I do understand that buying in bulk can often be more affordable for a lot of larger families. So just making sure that you're storing things properly um, and freezing things if you're not going to use them for a while. Like a loaf of bread can certainly go in the freezer, um, and so can a lot of other things. So just storing things properly to make them last. Julie, just a couple of practical tips. When my family became aware of the amount of food we were wasting um, and throwing away, which uh, we wanted to eliminate, we started doing a twice a week, um, put everything on the countertop in the refrigerator. My wife opens the refrigerator and everything in there goes on the countertop. So we can see it because, you know, out of sight, out of mind, it's sometimes there's those hidden compartments and things get pushed aside in the refrigerator. You don't see them. So. And then we make a plan for repurposing that food, like we're going to make some soup or some stew or we're going to throw it in the freezer. Um, the other thing we learned to do is, uh, uh, you know, get a nice uh, quality freezer to put in the garage so that we could freeze food. Like you, to your point, bread can be frozen very easily, but so can meat. And uh, you can even, if you have fresh vegetables, you can make a soup or a stew and then freeze them. So uh, just some practical tips. So those are, those are super. Thank you for sharing some of that. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I, I like that you put everything out on the counter. It is hard to see things in your fridge. Um, something that I try to do is the things that need to be eaten soonest I put on the top shelf like right in front of my face so as soon as I open it I see it um, and that's something that has helped me um, waste less food um, but yeah organizing your fridge and shopping in your own fridge and your own pantry before you go to the store like picking inventory what do you what do I have what can I make 
what meal can I make with what I already have before you go and buy new products? Julia, for those listening outside of the Colorado area, are there other organizations in other parts of the country, big cities that do what you guys do? Yes, there are. And I would recommend just Googling food rescue and then your city's name, um, and you'll probably find some. I know, um, I know for sure there's some in Texas and Kansas City and California and New York, um, and that's just a few. So definitely um, just Google food waste, food rescue, food recovery near me, and I'm sure you will find a way to get involved with your local food rescue organization. And I know we're always looking for volunteer support, so I don't want to speak for them, but I'm sure there's ways that you can get involved. Great. Thank you. We'd love to send some volunteers your way. Amazing. Julia, um, if there are people in the Denver metro area that do want to get involved with We Don't Waste, what, what would be the best way for them to do that? Would that be to go to your website or call, or how do they go about that? Yeah, the website is the best way. So we don't waste.org, and then at the top, click that Get Involved tab and uh, the volunteer page. And then you can see a, a schedule of all of our events, um, and then you can sign up for whatever works best with your schedule. But we have those markets twice a week. Um, we also have um, every quarter on a Monday night, we have a sort and sip, which is a networking volunteer night, which is super fun. Um, so lots of different ways to get involved. Very, Very good. good. You know, uh, Julia, just before we close, and we just got about a minute left here. Um, you know, I've been involved with the mobile food pantries. It's a fantastic program, but um, I just want to kind of walk our listeners through what goes on there. You know, I recall two years ago, I showed up with about tw uh, 12 or 14 students on a snowy morning over there on uh, off of uh, Federal and Mississippi. And uh, mm -hmm. next thing you know, the Denver Police Department is there directing traffic. The Denver Fire Department is there helping distribute food. There are 150 cars online, every demographic you could possibly imagine in the city of Denver. What are all the questions that you ask those drivers? Sure. Um, so really, if uh, people don't want to answer questions, they don't have to. You don't have to qualify to be there. Anyone is welcome to receive food. And certainly um, at the height of the pandemic, which is what I think you're referring to, we did have a lot of great support from Denver uh, like emergency services. Um, especially when our, our car lines are really long. It's really nice to have traffic support. Um, but we, we really just ask for name, um, zip code, number of adults and children in the household. Um, and that's kind of it. Phone number to help us um, just kind of track people. Um, and so if they come back, they don't have to complete the questionnaire every time. Um, but if they don't want to answer any questions, they don't have to. And they don't have to show any sort of identification. Anyone is welcome to come get food. This is all food that would have um, gotten thrown away, and it's still safe to eat. And so we're just happy that it's going to people instead of the landfill. Very good. It's uh, Yeah, for the most part, it, typically how many people are you feeding? That's really all they ask. And, uh, you know, we'll load up that car. Hey, uh, Julia, we're going to... Uh, we're just about out of time here, so we want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about We Don't Waste and all of the services you provide to the Denver community. 
And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, this has spurred me on to turn around and look at my existing classes for the rest of the semester. How can we help you? So you can plan on me doing that. Greg, any final words? Julie, just thank you for coming on the show today. I really applaud your efforts uh, individually and collectively at We Don't Waste. And I just think from the farmer side, when I grew up on a farm and I still work with a lot of people in production agriculture, there's so much time and labor and care in growing a product. And it's really a shame when, when something that's perfectly good goes to waste. So, you know, you're you're just really repurposing a lot of great food that otherwise would just go in the landfill. So congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, thank you both for having me on. It's been great, been great talking with you. Today's Food Chat episode is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com finds the best quality beef in the marketplace, but not only beef, bison and chicken and lamb and all kinds of great proteins that come from family farms that we know personally, and if not the farm, then the USDA plant. So go to ranchfreshmeats.com and sign up for the weekly newsletter because at the every week we pull a name at random and give away a box of meat. Ranchfreshmeats.com. Here's to the farmer that plants the fields in the spring that turn from green to that harvest honey. Hold one up for the banker downtown that got him on his feet with handshake. And a daughter, they gather around the table, send it up to the father. Somehow they get closer when times get harder. Here's to the farmer. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.